Welcome to the Ted Lasso Podcast. We're the Lorehounds, your guides on where to get the best baklava in town. I'm John. And I'm David, and this is our coverage of the Apple TV Plus original series, Ted Lasso. In this podcast, we'll be sharing our favorite laugh-out-loud moments before running down our three favorite elements from Season 3, Episode 5, Signs. Be sure to stick around to the end of the podcast for programming notes about our podcasting schedule for the rest of April. Quick housekeeping, for early access to ad-free episodes and exclusive content, visit patreon.com slash the lorehounds. If you're enjoying our content and want to give us a leg up, leave us a review and or rating on Apple Podcasts. Ratings help our standings in the Premier League, uh, I mean podcast rankings, and they give John and I warm fuzzies. A quick reminder that for this season of Ted Lasso, we're just doing a short form recap. But to make these podcasts a bit more fun, we're asking for you to help us break down these episodes. Send in your favorite laugh out loud moments as well as comments on any of the plot lines that we haven't covered. We typically record our Ted Lasso podcasts on Thursdays and the episodes are usually available Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. So you've got plenty of time to get your feedback into us before we record. Send emails to lorehounds at thelorehounds.com or Head to our website and either use the voicemail feature or the contact form. You can also post a message on our Discord server, and we can include those as well. Link to the Discord server is in the show notes. All right, John, should we uh, just jump right into it? You want to give us the episode a synopsis? I think so. It was an easy synopsis to write. Not a lot of factual things happened this episode. Mm. It was more about the characters, I think. So here we go. After seven straight weeks with no win, Richmond is due to play Man City, Ted learns that his son was bullying another student at school, which causes him him anxiety that he's able to overcome. Keely is forced to fire Shandy after another misstep. Later, she bonds with her boss over a sack of shit and a bottle of booze. Rebecca meets an ex and seeks to determine her fertility. Higgins suggests that if Richmond loses the next match, they consider firing Ted. Jamie struggles to assert himself as a leader, but Zava abdicates his throne by retiring just before the match with Man City. After Richmond loses the match, Ted gives a motivational speech. John, uh, what was your favorite laugh out nod? Or what was, your, what was the gag or ga- um, joke that gave you the biggest belly laugh? Probably that was a text from my father. Oh, that was mine too. <laughs> oh, was it? That was pretty funny. Oh, it was very good. It was yeah. very, very, very good. Uh, because because it it was a good bait and switch, right? The, yes. You got to get off Twitter, man. Because, you know, that's a real thing. You get yeah. into, yeah. like, the toxic comments. And then he goes, that was a text from my father. First of all, Higgins, I'm so sorry that you know that about your parents now. <laughs> but, I mean, no shame. No shame in doing what you do in the bedroom. But you don't want to know that about your parents. Well, and and it was a double twist, right? Because it wasn't Twitter. It was a text. Oh, okay. Somebody he knows. Oh, and it's your father. It was like a wham right, whammo. Right, so. right. It was good. It was good. I enjoyed it. How about you, David? Well, I think since you uh, grabbed that one, uh, my next most... It wasn't maybe as laugh out loud, but it was the most delicious, was Barbara's glee. Seeing Barbara's glee at wanting to watch Keely fire Shandy. She was absolutely salivating at the opportunity to watch this yes. finally go down and uh her comment later about um when keely says to her don't say it and she goes but you're gonna think it and she's like yeah i'm gonna think it long and often <laughs> it was really yeah great. yeah her you know half of her face in the window 
was yeah. very funny when <laughs> when the when the filter went off. Yeah, really excellent. Loved it. And that was a good little technical setup too for later on when uh, Jack and Keely uh, bond, as you wrote in the synopsis. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't I do that, that kind lightly. of bonding. I don't, I don't know about you, but I certainly don't want to do that kind of bonding with my boss. What's that line in the Grand Budapest Hotel where that Ralph Fine says, I go to bed with all my friends? <laughs> no, no I, I missed that. <laughs> Have you seen that movie? I can't remember. I think I did. Oh, it's excellent. Maybe yeah. that'll go on one of our lists for second breakfast. Mm, yeah, well, we could do a... Um, oh, who's that director? Wes right? Anderson. Yeah, yeah, we could we do could, a Wes Anderson do all his. Fest. Plenty of good stuff in there. I mean, Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou is a fabulous movie. That is my least favorite one. Whoa! Yeah. No, this podcast I, I, partnership is over. It's it's over. All right, David, I think it's time to get into our top three moments from the episode. So give us your number one. Uh, the star effort. <laughs> Shandy's implosion is my... We're rated uh, explicit, man. You gotta, you gotta uh, go all in with this Ted Lasso. <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't like to be too gratuitous with the, okay. the F-bombs. But, um, Abreen Razia, who is the actress who plays Shandy, just gave a full-throttled performance this entire run that she's been involved in. I don't know if we're going to get her later uh, in the season or not. But I hope I, so. Yeah, I just felt her performance was phenomenal. She just really pushed the throttles to the, the firewall. She was all in on that character. And the character was cool, too. Like this party girl who's actually good at her job. If she wasn't so full of herself, she would have actually been a great client person and really understands the business. Um, I don't I, agree. Okay. Uh, I don't agree. I think she had one good call right at first, uh-huh. and I think that everything she did since then was hurtful to the company. She was great with the uh, filming of the uh, football players for the meeting. Like She knew what she was doing behind the director's chair. But then she screwed it up by saying, want to fuck a celebrity? Right. Well, that's what I'm saying is, is that she goes too far. Like If she didn't go, yeah. if she knew where her boundary was and she had more sure. experience... She seems to be technically cap- uh, capable at her job, is what I'm saying. I don't know. I don't know. I think that that boundary is the fine line, right? That's that's the skill. I don't think it's a fine is line. Knowing, <laughs> well, you know what I mean. The, the boundary, line. knowing where that boundary is, is the skill, right? Like That is sure. how you mark it, is how do I push the edge to get attention without crossing a line where people go, ugh. And she never learned that, so I think she's just terrible at this job. Uh, yeah, she has bad workplace perf- uh, boundaries, but I think she like knowing how the job works. That's that's something. So, but yeah, I don't think that she had a lot of prof- professional experience. So, where sure. what opportunity and and all of her life lessons sounds like things of uh, you know wild and crazy nature. So she doesn't have sure. an internal compass of window pull it back and be professional on set. The business of knowing the set, how to call a shot, how to set up, doing all that stuff, she knew that. But yeah, as a professional, she's missing her uh, ability to work, play nice with others. But anyway, I thought her, um, her addition to the lineup and the performances that she gave were just great throughout the entire season. And her explosion, her implosion here of trying to rally the rest of the office to go with her was pretty funny. Yeah, Everybody's just staring at her going, dear God, we're not going to go work for you. Yeah, it was except Dan, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but the uh, 
I think we're going to get a mini arc from Dan. Go ahead. Sorry. I hope so. Yeah. But the best part about that whole scene, I think, was the pivoting, right? Was you fascist yes. to please take me back. And <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it was so great. She did a really great job of like showing that panic on her face of, mm-hmm. oh, nobody's coming with me. Yep. It was good, uh, great stuff all around. I loved her trying to get Jack to invest with her. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, oh, want to invest in a competitor to the business that you're going all in on? Yeah. Pretty funny. Uh, thinking that Barbara would be with her. Right. I know. Barbara's like line, asking Barbara. Or I like, could not on. be less with you. <laughs> <laughs> Great stuff. Yep. All right. What's your, uh, what's your number one? It's got to be Ted's speech, right? Okay. I mean... What we haven't really gotten one of these Ted Lasso coaching moments. No, it's season. been light on the coach, actual coach coaching, right? Right, and maybe that's the issue, right? Is he's been hiding from the team. He hasn't really been being a leader. He's been coasting on the fact that Zaba was scoring all the goals, mm. and as he went back into the background, the team forgot to be a cohesive unit. Mm-hmm. And once the once the excitement of Zaba started to fade and i think once once the other teams realized they're only going to have one play they're just going to do the four five one they're just going to put zava in front and, and feed him balls right and so you just it was very easy to play zava. against them mm-hmm. wait are you becoming a professional football pundit here john i i don't think so i don't think i have that <laughs> have you been reading blood. the inverted pyramid uh i have not and i will mm-hmm. not <laughs> watching a lot of bend bend it like beckham you know, if I were going to get into a sport, it probably would be football, like international football or Premier League football. But I just I I don't have the sports gene. Right. I don't I don't yeah. like to watch it. I like to play one. You know, I mean, like I I'll have fun playing one or going to a live game. But on TV, I'm like, man, do I really want to watch this? <laughs> yeah. When I lived in the UK, it was uh, during uh, one of the Euro Cups, and it was really fun. And I was trying right. to ingratiate myself with my coworkers and you know different people I was hanging out with. So I did definitely get into football for a while. Um, but yeah, like you, I'm not uh, motivated strongly by sports. I, I enjoy a good playoff. I enjoy the Olympics. I enjoy the right. World Cup when we you know when we get into it proper. Um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah. I'm surprised that you're picking up so much <laughs> football knowledge. Now, can you describe the offsides rule? That's the real test. No, I cannot. Ab- okay. Absolutely, I cannot. <laughs> but you know what? I, I think that sports in general, the what brings joy to people with sports is not just watching the thing on TV. It's the community, right? Like, yeah, that's the mm-hmm. big thing. Is you go to the pub, especially with this with the yes. Premier League. You go to the pub. You're with all your friends. You're yelling about the game. You're having a drink. You're sloshing your beer. You're having a great time. And and that is something that, because I think I didn't grow up with that, yeah. it's hard for me to get into that in adulthood. Sure. And uh, But but I respect it, right? Like I, I think that that's a very valid interest to have, a very right. valid hobby. Yeah. And and I, I almost am jealous of the people who can enjoy it that much right. because I just have not been able to. Right. You can't sustain it. So anyway, uh, Ted's speech. Right. That, yes. Now that we're off on, <laughs> if we slid sideways here around about fandom, right. what right. more do you have to say for, about Ted's speech? Well, first of all, did you notice he cursed for like the second time? No, no, in the I whole missed series. That. That's great. He he said, uh, "I've had enough of this shit" or something like that. <laughs> and and I think the the only other time he cursed was when he said, "Let's go win the whole fucking thing." You mm. know, like uh, like he does it for effect. He does it very. Very sparingly, and I think it's perfect for his character because yeah. when he did that in this in this speech, it took, got my attention, right. and I think it got his players' attention. Right, 
And the whole idea of moving past symbology, mm-hmm. of of understanding that, you know, the sign is one thing, but it's their bonds as a mm-hmm. team that really got them through, you know, re- relegation and and promotion and getting through Jamie being an asshole and leaving and getting right. through, you know, being on a and, losing streak. And Jamie coming back, you know, because right. that was as, as disruptive uh, as anything as well. Right, right. And and being ready to welcome Zava when he came, mm-hmm. which maybe would not have happened at the beginning of season two. But everybody loves Zava, John. Right, right. Not, <laughs> maybe so not great. anymore. Maybe He's not so anymore. wonderful. I, no, yeah. I did enjoy. Uh, <laughs> I did enjoy Danny Rojas with Sava going. <laughs> you know, we could have tried. <laughs> Danny's whole reaction to Zava, the whole uh, whole run, has been lovely. I, I love Danny Rojas. Yes, yes, definitely. But really, I mean, this was just something that I think was a long time coming. We really needed a TED speech. We really mm-hmm. needed that that everybody come together around the around the fire pit and listen to a speech by by your comrade right by right. your leader right and uh i think jamie was right in the end right i think almost having zava was more harmful to the team than it mm-hmm. was helpful because sure they won a few games and they had a bit of a lead for a bit but they ended up relying on him so much that they forgot what it was like to be a team mm-hmm. so let's hope that they can turn that around with the speech and you know really really go for it i liked at the end of that how roy and Jamie just basically understand each other. Like, mm-hmm. okay, right. Jamie is the hope of this team at this point for is, the person yeah. who's going to start scoring goals. Better get back to it 4 a.m. tomorrow. Right, exactly. So what was your number two, David? Well, it dovetails nicely with yours, and it's the idea that it, Richmond is in shambles. And a, it's characterized by when Rebecca comes in to give uh, Ted a right proper bollocksing, as they might say across the pond, um, which <laughs> right. he deserves and which he is kind of has a right to at this point. Right. Uh, a seven game uh, streak here is not a great thing. And, and maybe right. Ted needs to get that killer instinct. He needs to get in touch with his anger a little bit. He's got to find some emotional fire. And sometimes, you know, uh, you know, so you need to give, have somebody else give you that fire. Anyway, the point being is that everybody pointed to a different direction North. So nobody was on the same page. And so that to me right. was a very characteristic moment of all of the coaches, not uh, we don't know which way is north. We don't know how we're actually going to get out of here. Um, and I think that ultimately led to Zava's retirement. You know, for whatever Zava's reasons yeah. are, yeah. there was uh, there was something not working there for him. And so he decided to make his exit, which gives us this opportunity for Jamie's ascension, uh, I th- which right. I think is going to be an interesting arc, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, but I wanted to talk about, you know, with dovetail with your thing of, of Ted's speech, but tearing up the sign, I thought was a very potent and powerful mm, mythological, sociological thing. I don't know how to describe it. it. What it made me think of was the phrase that comes out of Buddhism, which is, if you meet the Buddha on the road, kill him. Now, the idea isn't to actually exact violence on another human being. The idea with that is, if you think you have an answer or you have a, sim- a symbol of, of the, the capital T-H-E, answer, that is, th- that's false. The, the believe sign itself is not going to get you to the championship. The right. work that you do on the field 
is what's going to get you to the championship. The bonds that you have, the trust that you develop, the 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 sweat, the blood, sweat, and tears that you put out there, that's what's going to get you there. And so if they have this mythology around the sign, that sign is actually blocking them from, you know, achieving their their goals. So I think it's right. a, a perfect thing with your uh, call on Ted's speech is he's got to fire them up. They've got to get some emotional fire going and Ripping up that sign, I thought, was a really great way to try to burn down the the shambles, or you know, to to sort of. A, I'm going for a phoenix metaphor here, right? You know, tear it apart, <laughs> right. let it go, rise from and, the ashes, exactly, yeah. and rise from the ashes. So, yeah. and we're not going to get that arc unless the team, and we're not going to get the satisfaction of that arc unless the team is in shambles and all the coaches are pointing different directions for which way is north, right? So that was my number. Yeah, two. you don't. You don't need that negativity, as James as JB would say. <laughs> That's right. Mauvais. It's a mauvais. Yeah, I, I I love every time he says something like that. <laughs> I know it's, it's so funny. And the I, I just a quick tag to about the team and the team dynamics. It feels whenever the team is talking about rom coms or books or you know Pygmalion or whatever, it's like. The writers of the show are living through the characters, and that that the football yeah, team would know yeah. all this stuff. No way, but it's hilarious and it works, and it uh, I, I it makes me want to it makes it makes me feel a bond with the writers, and the writers yeah, must yeah. have been having fun putting this all together, and so they throw in their own little idiosyncratic humor via <laughs> the the football players themselves. Right. All right. Number two, John. Yeah, so I would call it Killian Jack's sack of shit fest, which is just the whole night, right? You know, right. this this whole idea of the most joy you've had in months is cleaning up lamb poop. You mean and, uh, uh, not not sleeping with a clown and, and 30 of their friends in the clown car? <laughs> that was pretty funny, <laughs> that too. Was great. That was pretty that funny. Was great. They, had, they had so many good... Is, Jack is very charming. She's yes. got a lot of good one-liners, Did you, uh, a, lot, a lot of good uh, quips. Did you watch uh, For All Mankind on Apple I TV? I did not. Okay, the, did not. the actress that plays Jack was uh, was on that, so it's great to okay. see her. In, in I watched the different. first like three episodes. Okay. I don't know if she was on that early, but... Yeah, I can't remember when, uh, when she made her entrance, but yeah, she was. That, that's where I recognize her from. Um, but anyway, yeah, you were saying about Jack. Anyway, I mean, I, I just enjoyed their banter. I enjoyed the conversation. I enjoyed the fact that, you know, I... I'm not happy that Keely's with someone besides Rory because I do want them to get back together. Sure. But I also am glad that she's able to heal a little bit through yeah. her relationship with Jack. I do think it's going to be a huge issue if it doesn't work out because that's her VC. Yeah, that's her. That's her funder. That's uh, that's yeah, that could say, go what's, icky what's, really badly. The, what's the ethical lines here, uh, given the power imbalance be, between these? So right, even though right. Jack is treating her very like an equal and, and respecting her business decisions. She still has the power in the relationship. Right. And then also, Keely is not going to be able to know, well, does Jack really like my decisions? Or mm -hmm. is Jack interested in me as a person? That's, right. that's a tough line to walk there. Even if they are mature about it and go, hey, that was great. Cool. We had a little fling. Now we're, but we're not because we've got other things going on. Whatever decisions they make, if they don't, that's all. That question is always going to be there in the mind, going, oh, right. like, you know, can you ever move past that? That's the question. Exactly. Well, what was your number three? 
My number three are uh, where I take my winnings for this week with Nate and Jade. Um, I mm. think Nate has won Jade over honestly, fair and square. And yes. I called it last episode. I called a Mandalorian um, uh, uh, plot point as well. So I'm just in the winnings this week. I'm I'm in like uh, baklava. I've got all the baklava I need this this month. Um, but yeah, I just love jade's inscrutable looks and then when she does mm -hmm. turn on a smile it's super bright it's super charming uh, potentially she seems to be like a, a really nice person and she's been charmed by nate for who he is not what he is which is kind of a weird construction because Keely says to the lamb wrangler, you got to love somebody for what they are, not who they are. So I, 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 a little confusing message there, but I think the point is that Nate, when he's, even though he's trying to charm Jade, she sees through it and she sees that inside that there's, there's actually a, a really interesting, kind-hearted human being in there on, under the surface of, of all of this stuff. And she can penetrate that and, and see through that, and she's charmed by it. And so I really hope that whatever they've got going works out. And I wonder what it could be, what it could mean for Nate's trajectory. Could this turn into something really dark, where Nate, um, you know, feels uh, jealousy or uh, vulnerability or if rejection and then that drives him harder you know into the arms of Palp emperor palpatine rupert uh, there right. or does it portent a sunny days for nate and his coming around because we saw him trying to come around to ted and reach out to ted and then he's getting caught up with rupert's uh, influence so is Jade going to be a boon or a bane? It's a question mark, but I'm still happy to see Nate have at least a momentary opportunity of real connection uh, with somebody else yeah. who's, who's relating to him as him, not as like the manager of the restaurant who, you know, is super excited to have Anastasia, right, right. who, you know, he's really into her body. That was such right. a weird... Oh, yeah, that was icky. Yep. That guy is yep. playing a great role, though. He's got the, that whole uh, slimy, uh, I don't know, like Yeah, even like cheesy. his gauges are part of it. I don't know why, but like the gauges he has in his ears... Oh, does he? I didn't notice. Uh -huh. Part of it. Yeah. They're, I think they're small. Maybe they are earrings, but right. I don't know why, but that like added to the personality for me. <laughs> he's great. He's really given a great performance. All the all the secondary actors are giving it their all, and I'm and I'm here for it. I love it. But anyway, yeah. uh, Nate and Jade are um, you know forever uh, carved on a tree in uh, the tree of my heart. Right. Before I forget to point out this Easter egg that yeah. I thought that they added uh, when Anastasia is leaving the restaurant. Yeah, and she gets into a car full of models, a convertible full of models. Yep. Did you hear the song that was on? Yeah, uh, "Wake Me Up Before You Go Go" by Wham. Have you seen Zoolander? Uh, you know, I don't think I've ever seen Zoolander. I think that one slipped by me. All right, that that's going on the movie list too at some <laughs> point. But there's a whole thing where you know, uh, Ben Stiller as Zoolander gets mm -hmm. into, he's all depressed and he gets into a convertible with all his friends and they blast that song. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, all his model friends. So it's just like a car full of models, a convertible oh, nice. full of models blasting yeah. the song. I was like, this is definitely a Zoolander joke. Nice. Yeah. 
I wouldn't put it past the writers. They're they're clever like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I right. thought it was I thought it was definitely happening. I just want to say on the yes. Jade thing, yeah, I think I know. where I disagreed with you on it. Yeah. I, I'm gonna let you take your points, okay? Right. I'm gonna let you oh, take Oh, points. you're gonna let me take my points. Yeah, okay. yeah. You know what? I don't I don't think you, you fully earned them, but I'm oh. gonna I'm gonna leave them in your backyard. Because oh. you were all like, Oh, she was into him at the la- the end of last episode. I heard that from a couple people too. I disagree. I think she was still repulsed by him at the end of last episode because he was still trying to uh impress her, right? He wow. was still trying to flash his money to flash his job right flash his you, title. yeah he was trying and it wasn't working right. she saw through it right but that's the point is like i think that that she was she was repelled by him mm. the entire time every time he comes in until finally he is true to himself until mm-hmm. he says oh you want to leave no this is an important place to me which i i'm gonna actually say as much as i get what they were trying to do there Taking someone on a first date to somewhere where you are yeah, comfortable and they're not yeah, comfortable yeah, is a not bad good. move, and and nobody should take a lesson from this. Of take them to your childhood favorite restaurant if you're going on a first date. I don't think that's the lesson to be learned here. Right, but I T- think taking them to that, a place where your heart is open and your heart it lives in some way is a little bit too much too soon. Agreed. Right. Right. Well, yeah, because that's that's special to him and his family. Yes, yes. It means nothing to her. Right. And that creates this weird comfort imbalance that I think is uncomfortable for the person who's not familiar with the place. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. But I, I, in general, I would say uh, Nate charmed Jade by being true to himself, which I think is the central theme of this season. Agreed. Uh, 100% agreed. And which is why it was on my uh, number three list for this this episode. Because when we see characters line up with their heart, when it's not in conflict with itself, it's God, it's been so long since I've got <laughs> to say that. Um, things happen, right? And and that's the, that's the magic that we're all looking for. We're waiting for the team to get aligned so that they can actually start winning again. Okay. And that's the, that's the excitement yeah. for the season. All right. So what's your number three? Yeah. My number three is Ted having some character development and moving mm-hmm. through his panic attack. Okay. If you noticed, he starts to have a panic attack right, right before Henry calls. Yep. Henry calls and that interrupts it. And that's pretty much what's happened before this season is he starts a panic attack. Zava scores a goal. It stops. Right. Uh, you know, th- this is the interrupted panic attack. But it resumes after the call with Henry mm-hmm. and Ted talks himself through it. He says, he's okay. Mm-hmm. He's okay. And it stops. And that is a huge huge development for him you could tell his work with dr sharon is working in some way Mm -hmm. and i'm proud of ted and i was really happy to see that uh it's it it makes me think of colin saying the affirmation that he had for himself that i'm a (laughs) strong and capable man and i don't wonder if dr sharon's work with all of the team you know set that foundation right because they all met with her they were all very enamored with what they were getting from her so yeah that's i I think that's a good call um that her legacy is taking root with them right exactly i want to i was curious there he was looking up at a poster and i didn't go back and freeze frame it um maybe somebody on the discord or will write in for next episode he was looking at a Post or not a poster, but like a piece of art or a certificate or something that was signed, and it was a triangle, and it looked like a maybe a leadership, one of those leadership things, you know, these uh, all of these different principles and thoughts that are built into the like the leadership triangle or something like that, and that's when he got his panic attack. So I wonder why that was a trigger, um, because they 
clearly showed it to us. Um, and then, but it was, it was very brief. So I'm not sure how that connects. So I, I thought it was, I thought it was just the situation with Henry. I mean, you could feel Mm -hmm. that building throughout the episode quite saying Henry hasn't called Henry hasn't called. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I, I think it was just a buildup. Quite a turn that it's Henry who's the bully and not the bullied. I thought that was, uh, what do you do when you're, when your child is the bully? That's a, that's a whole different thing to, to deal with. I think, I think you do what Ted did, right? Like, see how, see if they are going to own up to it. If mm-hmm. they do, encourage that behavior. Right. And uh, if they don't, then, then maybe a few more conversations. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Keep working through it. Boy, there's yeah. so much to leave on the, on the cutting room floor today. Rebecca's arc in this season. Um, uh, you know, the stuff with, uh, 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 Roy <laughs> and his dark past, uh, right, so much. Right. So remember, so let's switch into some feedback and we got a lot of feedback for this episode. So thank you. Remember, you can send in your feedback to lorehounds at thelorehounds.com or head over to our website, thelorehounds.com slash contact. Use the voicemail feature or leave us um, an entry in the contact form, and then those things get sent right to us. Or head over to our Discord server, link in the show notes, and uh, we've got uh, folks chatting over there about the show with lots of fun. So first up is Nicole B., who wrote into the Lorehounds. She says, hey guys, since both of you missed the best joke of last episode for all the ladies, I need to give Keely the award. Her saying that she needs a real tampon and not a skinny because her lady parts are quote unquote not on a diet. I'm on my effing period was absolutely the best line. There isn't much talk about periods in television and film. And it usually plays like an after school special. I love the writers for addressing this. Every menstruating person finds themselves in this situation several times in their lives, and Juno Temple just crushed the line delivery. Thanks, Nicole. She sent in a quick follow-up, too, uh, to reiterate, one of the best things about Ted Lasso is even though it's a story about a male football club, the female characters really stand on their own. They never feel shoehorned in or revolving around male leads. The showrunners go above and beyond on these characters and their arcs. I think Nicole puts her finger on something really important here. What do you think, John? Yeah, I think so too. I mean, it's it's so easy, especially in a in a show like this where this is the central focus, to not pay enough attention to the female characters. But yep. I mean, the the female characters are a huge part of the lives of the male character characters, and they also stand on their own. You know, Keely is not really that involved with the club anymore. No, and she still has her own arc. And uh, Jack Rebecca and, is more of a lead than uh, mm-hmm. an ancillary character. Yeah. And Jack and um, Keeley's relationship here, does that pass the Bechtel test where, like, they're not talking about men and their men's relationships. They're, <laughs> they're relating to each other on their own right, terms. Right. So, well, and, and Rebecca and Keeley, too. Like, they'll talk about yeah. Roy every now and then, but they often don't. They, they will just talk about life. Yeah, and the texting, you know, oh, love you, have so many questions. Like, it's just so cute. It's so great that they've yeah. developed this really wonderful bond. And yeah, Rebecca's arc is amazing so far this season. I really, I, I want to get some development to talk about her maybe next uh, podcast. What well, we have to see. Yeah. But yeah. back on the menstruation thing, I was, I wasn't shocked, but I was surprised to to have them show Keely in the stall. And actually, you know, move to insert the tampon. I was like, whoa, you don't see, we don't see that ever. And that was such a realistic moment. It's such a, as, as Nicole says, that's something anybody who menstruates is 
going to have to have dealt with at some point in their life right and and being married to you know somebody who menstruates and and having a child who will eventually menstruate it really was like oh yeah like always remember to have a few in your purse with you or whatever you know so right, it right. was it was a really great realistic moment and and I, I agree I appreciate that they put that in there so very matter-of-factly yeah, which, by the way, I've actually seen a bunch of comments like, I need all the men in this thread to know that we do not position our legs like that to put in a tampon. <laughs> well, we had to do some camera work in the stall there, so, you know. Sure, yeah, sure. It worked. All right, Nicole, thank you so much for that, and I agree that that was a great moment. So, let's go now to Andrew from the UK sent in an email to lorehounds at thelorehounds.com. Hi, Andrew from the UK. Wait, <laughs> yes, yes, you are from the UK. Just wanted to add some clarification on your conversation on Shandy. I worked in pubs and bars and have a decent knowledge of the drinking culture here. In the UK, if you want to lighten the taste of a beer, you wouldn't order a Shandy. You, it, you would instead order a lager top, which is a pint with only an inch or so on top. In summer, when it's hot, if you want a refreshing drink, you'll drink cider. In UK culture, be it right or wrong, it's looked down upon purposely to reduce the alcoholic strength of your beer. American beers like Bud Light do not market well here. The only time you see people ordering shandies in the bar is if they're the designated driver. Young males on a night out may order a turbo shandy, which is a lager shandy, but instead of lemonade, it's WKD, a blue vodka-based alco-pop drink. Interesting. Uh, Andrew, thanks for sending in uh, this point. I think it's a the I, I think it's right. Shandy is a term. Uh, shandies and uh, Rattlers are and lemon lager are terms that I think get intermixed quite around. I don't. I think you said that you've never had one, John. I've never had one. No. Okay. Yeah. So in in Europe on the continent. Um, Radlers, uh, which come from a Radler Mass, which is the original German drink of that, where you mixed fruit juice with your beer, and a Shandy Gaff, which was a beer with ginger beer mixed together, and that was in the UK, have spawned a huge variety of different things where you can mix and match your beers that with, uh, be it a soda pop or a, a juice to lighten it to you know make it more refreshing. So when I lived. I did live in the UK, and I also lived in in Hungary for a while. Radlers were a very common thing during the summer, and we would drink those quite quite liberally uh, because you're diluting your alcohol and having a refreshing uh, drink. So there's a whole world of lemon lagers and these kinds of things, and they're quite delicious, to be honest. So very nice. Thank cool. you, Andrew. Next up, we've got Dan on our Discord server says an article on The Hollywood Reporter about sports journalist Grant Wall, who recently passed away. He helped with the Trent, Krim, and Zava storylines for the season, and the book that Beard was holding in episode four was originally an Easter egg and nod to Wall, but then who passed away, so it's now kind of a little in-memoriam uh, uh, marker. Mm. So that was very, very cool that the showrunners are doing those kinds yeah. of things and acknowledging folks in, in that way. Yeah. So Dan also wrote in uh, something very interesting. We were, I was asking our Discord uh, about a 
seven-game quote-unquote losing streak, and Dan clarified to say that it's important to clarify that it's a seven-game winless streak, not a losing streak. A losing streak is different from a winless streak since Richmond did not get draws in that time and thus accumulated points. In the Premier League, you get three points for a win, one point for a draw, uh, I guess if it's for no overtime, and zero points for a loss. So hypothetically, if they drew three of the seven games, that would be equivalent to winning one game during the time span. The other important clarifying note is that when evaluating whether or not to fire a manager, you have to factor in the team's expectations for the season. They were picked by everyone to finish last, and before the Man City game were ninth in the standings out of 20 teams. So really, they're way ahead of their season's expectations. Granted, expectations change when you get a player like Zava and the team is playing at the top of the table, but I think most actual Premier League owners would wait and see how things play out. If Richmond dropped back to the relegation zone, the bottom three, then you might make a move. The Premier League specifically is known as a cutthroat league where managers are changed more frequently than dirty socks. In real (laughs) life, seven managers have been sacked already since Christmas. So while I don't think Ted deserved to be sacked yet, his seat would definitely be very warm. Yep. Yep. And I think Rebecca, you know, she didn't shoot him down, right? She did not shoot Higgins down. Right. I don't think she wants to fire Ted, but I think that, you know, as a business thing, she might consider it or at least adding another coach yeah. or demoting Ted to assistant or something like that. You know, I don't, although I don't think he works as an assistant coach, right? I think he needs to be the leader. That's his strength is leading them emotionally through the season and getting them to work together as people. Because if you look at the actual strategizing, that's done by the others. Right. That's really what you need the assistant coaches for. Right. And as a, the top coach to be, downgraded to an assistant coach, that would be like, oh, I'm going from CEO to, you know, uh, operations manager. <laughs> sort of like sure. not, yeah. not a great night, not a great fit. Um, but right. yeah, he, he's, Ted's seat definitely deserves to be warm here. I mean, granted, yeah. losing Zava is not necessarily his fault, but in a way it is because they're not coming together and ultimately he's the captain. So he's got to, um, he's got to pull the team together no matter what. All right. Last comment in from Alicia in Amsterdam, uh, commented also on our Discord. She said that Zava's speech about his wife was not remotely sexy and actually super (laughs) ick from a female perspective. Would generally urge anyone dating me to see other women as people, not smudges. (laughs) So fair point taken, Alicia. Uh, It was a little creepy in in a Zava kind of way. Right. Yeah, totally. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Uh, Thanks again, everyone, for your feedback. Please remember to write in lorehounds at thelorehounds.com, hop over to our Discord server, or jump over to our website and leave a form. Again, we record generally on Thursday, so plenty of time to get that feedback in. Let us know in this episode what your favorite moments were and or plot points that we have not been able to pick up on. Quick note and shout out to our Patreons, uh, our Loremaster patrons, uh, Samartian, Cyrus, Mark H., Michael G., Michelle E., David W., Brian P., Nick W., SC, Peter O.H., Bettina W., Adam S., Nancy M., Lavinia T., Duve71, Brian8063, Frederick H., Sarah L., and Gareth C. Thank you all so very much for your support. 
to all of our patrons, thank you. Uh, it makes a big difference to have your guys' support and financial contributions to help us make our podcast. John, what do we got coming up in April? Well, just a quick note, we're about to finish up The Mandalorian Season 3, so stick around for that. We've got more Lorehounds play coming with Brandon the Bard, where we're talking about The Last of Us Part 1, the second part of our conversation. Patrons can enjoy our second breakfast about eggs and the movie Raising Arizona, which just dropped. And, And we just put out a new Book Nook episode of A Wizard of Earthsea Part 2 with Marilyn Arpukila. Boy, John, uh, we do keep busy over here at the Lorehounds. I don't know what's. Uh, <laughs> I know. I don't know how we keep it all, keep all the plates spinning. But we do it partially with you, our listeners, and our Patreon subscribers. So thanks to everyone, John. Uh, thank you, and I guess we'll see you next week for Mandalorian season eight or season three, episode eight, season wrap up, and uh, the next episode of Ted Lasso. The Lorehounds podcast is produced and published by The Lorehounds. You can send questions and feedback and voicemails at thelorehounds.com slash contact. Get early and ad-free access to all Lorehounds podcasts at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. Any opinions stated are ours personally and do not reflect the opinion of or belong to any employers or other entities. Thanks for listening.